Brittany, you're quite the catch, girl. You're really sporting the strong, independent woman thing. But this is a big church lobby, honey. Let me walk you into the foyer and teach you how to become a fisher of men. Shut it, Jessica. And here's why. You need deliverance! Warning. Thinking too much is dangerous. Symptoms include... Existential crisis. What you talking over here? Learning new things. What you talking? Knowing when you're wrong. You the sorriest church leaders I have. And becoming a kinder, calmer, more Christ-like person concerning life and church. I ate a big pickle for lunch, so I got pickle breath. I'm trying to keep this really casual because I'm actually a perfectionist, and I've discovered that unless I just submit to everything that I do being less than perfect, nothing will get done. So welcome to the Concerning Life and Church podcast. Uh, my name is James Dursey, and I hope that we can learn from each other and grow as people. And if you have something you would like to add to the conversation, or if you have a question, I would love the opportunity uh, to try my best to tackle it. And you can reach me at concerninglifeandchurch at gmail.com. So the topic today is from my friend Mariah, and I think she uh, she is awesome. And this is an awesome thing to talk about uh, because I think it really permeates a lot of the culture of many churches and Christian circles, and it has to do with marriage. Uh, and so it says, as written, uh, the push for marriage over singleness and the damage that causes single folk. Um, and Mariah, I think I know exactly what you're getting at, and I'm going to unpack that topic uh, a bit more before addressing it head on. Um, we talk about marriage a lot in church. We put marriage on a pedestal, and we present marriage uh, as something for all people across all walks of life to aim for. Uh, maybe even to the extent of saying that marriage and rearing children and maintaining that family structure at all costs is one of the major purposes of life. And maybe that life is not worth living without that. Oop, I just bumped my mic. Anyways, we, we talk about marriage a lot in church. That's not wrong. Uh, but I think we could probably do better at how we uh, talk about that. And one of the reasons why I know we could do better talking about it is because one of the very popular Bible verses that people love to talk about when they are preaching on marriage or even when they are marrying people, and I know you've heard it before if you've ever been to a Christian wedding, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And that says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will pick up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Therefore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Do you feel like you're at a wedding right now? Hallelujah. And something that is interesting about this verse, um, it's true in its essence when you talk about it, uh, I guess, to refer to marriage, but the verse itself is actually taken out of context whenever you use it to refer to marriage directly. 
the header of this chapter, at least it is in the uh, in the translation that I'm reading, is oppression, toil, and friendliness. The chapter itself is basically saying you're going to be happier if you are poorer and take time to enjoy life rather than working your butt off to earn twice as much. And it literally says in the sixth uh, uh, verse of this chapter, it says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chase after the wind. It's about depriving yourself, excuse me, it's about depriving yourself of the enjoyment of life for advancement for the sake of advancement and that we should band together because that makes life easier. Again, the principle works, but the verse and the proper context lie down together ain't about spooning. Although I guess I would need some more historical context to be 100% sure of that. Uh, you know, greet your brothers and sisters with a holy kiss and keep them warm by means of the big spoon. I don't know. Uh, but on a serious note, uh, some verses that do talk about marriage, uh, one is Ephesians, uh, chapter five, verse 25, it says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a tall order. Uh, another one is, uh, revelations 21 verse two. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. There is a lot of Bible verses uh, that draw the comparison of Christ being fully united with the church to a wedding and a marriage. Um, I do not entirely grasp the meaningfulness of that, and I can tell you that I'm uh, what I'm bringing into my marriage does not amount to that. Um but I think there is something incredibly significant that we do see that marriage is compared to the sole reason Jesus died on the cross. That was to reunite humanity and creation to himself. Uh, I am married, and I think that we can all see that uh, intrinsically marriage is a good thing. It's a super important thing, but we as in we, all of us, as in Jesus followers, need to talk about marriage as a good thing while also maintaining that it is not the only thing. As in marriage is good, but it's not like the ultimate final destination for everyone on the entire earth. Uh, There is real value in singleness. And you might be openly disagreeing with me and thinking, how can there be value in singleness when the Bible talks about uh, you know, a holy marriage. And I would love to tell you using the Bible itself. And so Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verses 8 through 9, says, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And then later on in the same chapter, just uh, further down, he continues in verses 25 through 28. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. In other words, there's nothing found. You know, Paul's saying there's nothing in Scripture that explicitly says this, but I'm 
I am giving my own judgment call, and the Lord has trusted me uh, with this discernment. And he says, uh, because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. Now, this is another one. This is probably one of my all-time favorite, maybe even in the whole Bible. It's Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24. It says, It is better to live in a corner of the roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. And <laughs> um, I think the Bible, I, I don't think the Bible contradicts itself when it says that marriage is both a really, really good thing and is both a bad thing. I think that those are two truths. Ask a married person if their marriage has both good parts and bad parts. If they say it doesn't have bad parts, they're a liar. Again, I am married, and I see, and I've reaped the benefit of marriage, but I also see that it has limitations. Uh, I'm married. I can't pick up my life on a whim and move to Florida and surf all day and sleep in my van. Uh, I don't have a van, but in a van by the beach without also picking up my wife's whole life and turning her reality upside down. I know my wife very well, and this is something that I, uh, if I was actually dead set on doing it, I know she would encourage me to do it, even though it would also be ruining her life uh, that she's built wherever we were at. But uh, I know that's not the best thing for me to choose for us to do, so I do not do it. <laughs> also, I would love to hang out at my buddy's house uh, and just go out of town and party every weekend and play video games and spend all my money, um, or rather our money. Uh, on new guitars and computers and video games. And at one point or another, she has actually encouraged me to do both of these things. But I won't because I know it's not the best thing to do for for us and our marriage. And to an extent, she's an enabler. Uh, and so I guess I've had to. Marriages may be better because I learned, I've had to learn to control myself better. Uh, otherwise, I would just steamroll over her life and ruin it. Um, anyways, <clears throat> I digress. We see Paul talking about that based on your wiring or your convictions on how you need to spend your life, getting married might not be conducive to that life. In other words, it could be that God has called you to be single and that is a part of the life that he has called you to. Um, and also, I think we need to be extremely sensitive to the possibility that maybe the way a person is wired, marriage might not be on the table at all. Uh, maybe there's a part of them that is a permanent part of them that just wouldn't work with sharing themselves the way that marriage requires people to share themselves. And that could be uh, sexually, relationally, what have you. I'm not going to get into specifics of that today. Um, and really, it's none of our business unless that person has chosen to share 
that part of their life with you. Um, I remember when I was a kid, actually, I, I, I recall exactly where I was. I was in Canada on a men's fishing trip with all the guys from, uh, from my family. And I remember my uncle was telling some kind of story about a pregnant woman. Uh, I don't remember the, the, the actual story itself, but he's a funny guy and he was trying to be funny. And I remember I had said something along the lines of, well, did you ask? And I remember very clearly my dad told me, I mean, it was kind of like a grab me by my shoulders kind of conversation, not in like a mean way or like an aggressive way, like listen up, but just like a, Hey, he said, uh, James, don't ever ask a woman if she is pregnant or assume that a woman is pregnant. It doesn't matter if she's rubbing her stomach and talking with her girlfriends and they're all blushing. It doesn't matter if you heard it from someone else as like a maybe. It doesn't matter if the woman is standing in front of you with half a baby dangling between her legs. You never ask or assume if a woman is pregnant. I will remember that until the day that I die. And to this day, I never have. Because sometimes, even in like a fun, witty conversation... The words that we say have the potential to do unbelievable damage to people, even if we don't mean it. And now, as an example, regardless of how we as individuals feel on the topic of homosexuality, I hope we can all admit that it would be awful to ask someone why they aren't married and maybe the reason is that they are attracted to the same sex and they're not ready to engage in that kind of conversation with you, especially considering that the context of many of these types of conversations, being in a church lobby, I mean, that has to be an extremely difficult conversation to have and it'd be awkward. And if you don't agree with me on that, then I think think that means that your opinion might be more important to you than loving people well. And that's a hard truth. Now, if you're a single person, and this is something that is hard for you to deal with when you go to church, I am very, very sorry. But the good news is you have something to add to the conversation when it happens. Um, Several years ago, I had this explained to me by a lady in my church. She was in her early 30s at the time, and she had never had a boyfriend. She was still unmarried, uh, and according to Facebook, she's 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 not married right now. But she uh, brought up the topic to me of biblical singleness, and that was the first time I'd heard it. I'm not sure how many more people I would have hurt accidentally had she not said something to me in that conversation. So I would say this. If you are married, be the best husband or wife you can be and then rely on God to help you be better than that. And if you're single, be the best single person you can be and don't ever feel like you need to be married in order to live life to the fullest. I don't know what fullest would be in your specific situation, but don't wait to chase anything in your life. If the opportunity presents itself, have gentle, grace-filled conversations with people who communicate an expectation on you to get married. 
chances are they are just trying to have fun. I find that most of the time, and this is just like in conversations when I put my feet in my mouth, I am trying to be funny, which is why for myself personally, I have learned to, uh, a lot of times in discourse, we need to ride the line uh, of going too far and playing it safe in order to see the maximum return on our trying to be funny. And so I've actually learned to draw the line a little farther back. That's not as important to me as it once was because I've learned that that can put me and set me up uh, for a situation where I might accidentally hurt somebody and it's just not worth it. It is just not worth it. Uh, so with that, I don't know how to end this. <laughs> uh, if you have a topic or a question you'd like me to bring up or address, I would love the opportunity to. You can email me at concerninglifeinchurch at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be anything super well thought out or formatted correctly or anything. Just send it over. Uh, it should be emailed. I don't own a fax machine. I've never used one i'm in my early 20s um i've never even used one of those printers with the strips that you tear off the sides uh, i feel like it'd be really satisfying